This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of WTHK, a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsports. I am joined by only one half of the Hunt Brothers this time, joined only by Alex. How are you doing, Alex? I'm not too bad. Thank you, Pedro. It's been a couple of weeks, but yeah, I don't, I've got to apologize for Chris. He said he'd be here, but uh, typical. No need for that. Actually, speaking of uh, Alex, I would like to wish him a happy birthday because we, uh, we couldn't be here on the week, on the week after his birthday. So oh, me? <laughs> oh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, it's coming up next week, so yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be a grand old age of 31, so I've, yeah, well, as we explained in the podcast last week, quite a lot older than you, Pedro. <laughs> yeah, I said I was going to use that as a running joke, didn't I? Yeah, and I think that's just going to keep coming up in the... <laughs> <laughs> He's already brought up within the first minute of this podcast. <laughs> it's a big week for us. We have our, fe- uh, our first guest in the show. It's a pleasure uh, for me, and I'm, I think I'm speaking for Alex as well, to introduce uh, Ian Page, uh, W Series correspondent for Overtaking Motorsport. Sport. Welcome to the hello, show, man. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel really old because I'm going to be 37 next month. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, guys. <laughs> hey, I didn't start this. Chris and Pedro started last week. Unintended. Completely <laughs> unintended. It was it was an accident that turned into a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. but, but happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so if I had to start with a question, if you had to describe W series in five words, especially for those people that have never seen W series before. Oh gosh. Uh five words. Um innovative, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, exciting, competitive, close, and forward-thinking, if I can put those words together. There's a hyphen in the middle there, is there, for that last one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Rachel I, Riley on Countdown would confirm that there's a hyphen in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it's all of those things and probably loads more. What's his biggest argument for it? And it's biggest argument against it and if you allow me i'll give you the one against it or at least mine yeah go for it there's female drivers because it's an all female series right mm-hmm. yeah there's female drivers that have excelled at actual categories are well they're not thought about as women exclusive uh series right like the american mm-hmm. Mans series or nascar or even indycar so why would a driver join a W Series with underpowered cars, if, if you could say so, mm-hmm. when there's other drivers in top series already, other female drivers? Um, yeah, I think that's a very, very good argument. And you're not the only motorsport commentator or analyst to have that view, or indeed, you know, drivers. Lots of people have said it kind of cheapens the cause by creating a whole separate, like, here you go, ladies, here's your bit to play with. Um, but I think what the, the aim is, is to give people who perhaps wouldn't 
otherwise have have exposure and have a platform in which to excel. So if you take somebody like Jamie Chadwick, who, when she first came into my radar, it was through British F3, which is now called GB3. Um, you know, she, she, if I was being perfectly honest, was a very average racing driver. And then what this has, has done is kind of put her on the Formula One map and in, in, in that sphere and it's it's given her the exposure to push forward and i think that's sort of recognized in various different ways up and down the grid you know alice powell was helping her dad do plumbing um having sort of run out of money and run out of uh, opportunity along came the w series and you know she's done testing i believe in in um Formula E and things like that. And Emma Kimmelainen, you know, she's a mum of two. And, you know, here she is on a global scale, you know, particularly this year, you know, she's she's won, won races with the W2 who's been part of the F1 support package. So, you know, I think the argument is, yeah, if you want to, you know, sort of, you know, plug away and try really hard on club meetings, you know, in Wales on a Tuesday, you know, in the rain or whatever, then then by all means, you can come along and do this and it might give you the exposure and it might give you the money that helps progress your career. That's a bit of a long answer, but yeah, that that's that's what I think the aim is is for. And I think it has done that successfully to some degree. I'd agree in terms of getting the, uh, the participants' names out there. You've got um, Channel 4 doing a very good job of that. They've even got Alice Powell doing the highlight show. Um, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. They're getting getting the name out there. But is does if the main aim is to get female competitors into the top level, does that mean W Series has a finite life? Will it have to stop in ten years, or will it? Would that then become obsolete afterwards, or could it carry on for longer? It's a very heavy question for three minutes. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a really good question. And again, funnily enough, I was talking about this uh, with, I'm going to do a name drop now, uh, the Reuters motorsport correspondent, Alan Baldwin, about it. And I mean, as a caveat, I think W Series also want to promote motorsport to women and they want to push it to a female audience and to a young female audience. And particularly last year, we had... Uh, we they had a really successful esports series, which sort of pushed it to the you know the, the millennium age, and people who watch things online and stuff like that, and they were very very successful in gaining a a larger and more diverse audience. So you know I think I think that is their long term plan. But yes, there, there, there is a degree. You know, at some point Jamie Chadwick, if she wants to be an F one driver, will have to take the plunge. And she will have to go into the feeder series, be that F2 or F3. And then who comes along afterwards? You know, the people that I've just mentioned, you know, they're all very good drivers. They're certainly better than me. But no, you know, no, you know, where do you go from there? And there's a danger that the W series almost sort of becomes the, the vehicle that promotes Jamie Chadwick. And then that's that. Um, you, you mentioned Kim Alainen earlier, and it's because um, uh, she's never going to get to F one. No, I, no, I don't think she's the right age. Is she? She's 
Over no, there. I mean she's she's in her thirties, and you know she's she's got kids in art. You know, I speak. I have two kids, and there is only so much brain space you have. So no, I don't. I don't think she is with all due respect to her. Um, yeah, but it it is. But then having that element, it means you've got now twenty drivers potentially with careers because uh, mm-hmm. the prize money is quite. It's like is it. 50,000 was it last year or was it more? Because it was enough that all the drivers are getting paid a lot of money. And it's also, well worth doing it. And also this year you get points towards your super license. So there is, yeah, there's there's that incentive. Um, so, you know, it, it's well worth it, but I can't see anybody kind of beyond Jamie Chadwick making necessarily that leap into Formula One. There are certainly other drivers as, as Pedro's mentioned who you know, race in other series uh, and other formulas and the W series again may help them raise their profile but yes you know once Jamie you know Jamie Chadwick wins her title again this year you know does she come back and do it again and then is it just the same is it just the same thing we you know year in year out um, I hope not and I hope the W series sort of Push, you know, now it's on an F1 platform, builds that fan base, in, you know, a bit like Dare to Be Different or uh, FIA, whatever that, that's become now, you know, it pushes it out into schools and uses its platform in order to promote motorsport to a younger, more particularly, particularly female, but a younger audience. Do you think this could develop into some sort of like, uh, a tier like like you get f3 and then you have f2 and then you have formula one could you have that sort of thing in in the w series i guess so you know i don't i don't see why not there would have to be a lot of behind the scenes discussions with the fia um i'm not you know at the moment you know there's not too much in terms of teams you know, linking in with that series and putting people through, you know, yes, again, Jamie Chadwick's with Williams and Jess Hawkins is doing stuff with Aston Martin. Um, I think there would have to be a lot of paperwork and chat behind the scenes, but I don't, I don't see why why it couldn't it couldn't be part of that. Um, again, there, you know, excuse me, there could be an argument that, well, you know, some female drivers have bypassed W Series and come into F2 and F3 through their own means, um, like some drivers have chosen to do because they don't quite see the point of W Series. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see why it couldn't, but I I don't see it happening anytime soon. Right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. To be somewhat controversial, so if you do have what Pedro says and have... The double series being a tier on the ladder up to F1. Mm-hmm. If you had the equivalent F3 car, does that mean it has to be all male, given no males can be in W series? Or will we find that W series and that F3 series will just become one big series? Because I, I do agree with W series is very good at getting female drivers into the spotlight, but mm. if you're looking purely on a competitive level, it's somewhat unfair if it's purely on that level. But. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. I mean, 
it's a heavy question. I, I, you know, oh, yeah, I sorry. Know. That is, yeah. You know, it, you know, I, I don't know is the honest answer. Um, you know, you're starting to get into sort of a real gender discussion there, um, you know, about, you know, kind of the guys having to really slug their guts out through lots and lots and lots of feeder series. And then, you know, the girls just, you know, and then say just that really cheapens it. It's a massive achievement to be picked up by the series, but you know, you've only got one kind of ladder to jump through. And I know back in the early days when I was talking to to the, to the people who, who run the W series, you know, there was a bit of there, there was the question that if you had an unsuccessful male racing driver who then went under gender reassignment and became a female, and then applied to the W series, you know, how, how do you navigate that? Because yeah. that's, that's a whole box of trickiness. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Cause to be honest, I'm struggling with how, where it can go as well. It's I'm asking you cause you're the W series correspondent, but I've asked myself the same question and I same as you don't really have an answer. And I, no. I don't know what they'll come up with, but it's, yeah, it's one of those really difficult questions that will have to be answered at some point, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of the difficult second album, isn't it? it <laughs> It's you know it's it's I was I was a bit skeptical about it at the beginning I must admit because again I thought it kind of cheapened the cause but being involved in it even in the small way that I am you know it, it is you know it's really exciting it's it's good racing it's it's a little bit fresh from kind of the stuffiness of, that Formula One can be at times um, and you know being you know I have a four-year-old daughter who enjoys watching the races with me as well and from that point of view I'm really for it and I think it's got a real opportunity to build on that but yeah in, in kind of in terms of its competitiveness and where it stands in, in pushing female drivers through to eventually Formula One uh, you know only time will tell I think you said you were uh, a bit skeptical about, about the series. Mm. Could you pinpoint a specific moment when you when you said, "Okay, this this thing is for real"? Uh, there were there were a couple. You know, when I when I started covering it, I, I originally covered, I worked for Reuters, um, which is a news agency amongst other things, and I, I was very fortunate that I started. To give a long answer, I started doing British F3 for overtake. And then because I was doing British F3, it shows that it has a lot, a lot of similarities with W series. Um, Reuters said, because I wanted to get involved in more journalism, Reuters said, well, would you like to, to cover the W series in its first season? So when I, I sat down as a job and started, you know, covering it, Uh, that's when I thought, yeah, actually, this is this this is something here. You know, the, the, I remember the presentation on telly was it was a little rough around the edges. It didn't quite have the glitz and the glam and the smoothness that Formula One has. But you know, that's had since 1950. You know, whenever to you know iron out all the all the problems, although it still has many. And then when I went to the season finale at Brands Hatch in 2019 and, and you know, saw. It, it for real in front of me and you know lots of other media interest in it I thought uh yeah you know this you know as a spectacle and as a racing um and as a racing format this is this is this is something 
uh, and then having spoken to people who've been involved in press conferences and things like that and listened to their, their message, I thought, yes, you know, they've, they've, they've got something here. I don't know if they quite know what to do with it, but they've got something. Mm. It's it certainly, you know, when, it, when, you know, the press release first came out and I remember uh, going to the Autosport show and meeting a couple of people and, you know, it, it, it was a little bit, it felt a little bit gimmicky. And, you know, I felt a little bit like, you know, I don't know if, if making an all-female series like we've also kind of cheapens the efforts that, that female, other female drivers have made. But having seen it and having listened to people, um, that, that's brought me around. Hmm. Make terms a of a... Go ahead, Alex. No, no, go on, Pedro. I, I want to see the, hear this confession. Okay, I have to make a confession halfway halfway through the interview because that was, and it's still in some sort of way my my thought. Um, you know, why would you like to go? As as I said, why would you like to go drive these cars when you could have arguably a longer road and a tougher road, but it would land you in in bigger racing series. So I just would like to say that it's been, it, so far it's been quite a, a learning experience for me. I think more than anything, I think it comes down to personal choice. You know, that, you know, I don't know each in each individual driver's situation, you know, I don't know their financial backing or anything like that. So I guess it, it, it kind of came down to, you know, perhaps, you know, the Alice Powers who were, who were struggling for sponsorship and it was either, well, I either do the W series in what is essentially a division three car, or I don't do anything because I haven't quite got the financial backing or I haven't quite got the, the, the profile to get me to do, you know, some endurance racing or, or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's worth noting that the drivers on the grid come from all manner of disciplines. So you've got closed cockpit, open cockpit races who, who have come in and I guess have, seen the opportunity to you know to raise their profile to get what is now some super license points mm. and some money but i i you know i think pedro your your thoughts are perfectly valid you're not the only one by any stretch of the imagination and i i think it, it just comes i think it was just drive a personal choice in their own circumstance that's my take on it anyway mm. I was going to say it's somewhat similar to Pedro's in terms of the on-track spectacle itself. You've got what are essentially F3 cars. It's Tatus, isn't it? The um, it is, yes, yes. yes. Does is that in itself? If they don't change from that, is that a problem? Because what you because it's not necessarily the most entertaining thing to watch. You're not watching if F1's got a bit of a professional race. You're at least watching cars mm. go fast. When we had where was it? The um, was it Zolda the first season? It was a bit mm -hmm. processional from what I remember. And you're not it's not as entertaining to watch. Should W series go up a level in terms of the car, in terms of power and chassis design, to be more like say an Indy car or, or an F two car? Or uh, would that be too much of a jump for anyone just trying to go into it? I don't know whether you know, I don't know from a driver point of view. I'm sure they would love to drive the fastest, biggest, most amazing thing they can get their hands on. I think it comes down to money from a business point of view you know they are not 
Formula One, they do not have a bottomless pot of money with big, you know, or certainly at the beginning, you know, they didn't have big manufacturers on board. They didn't have, you know, big energy manufacturers and, you know, energy brands and all that sort of stuff. So I think it was, you know, being a British-based idea and, you know, outfit, those cars were there, they were proven, they're reliable, they, you know, they don't take too much, they're not too, too complicated, they're, they're kind of ready to go. And I think, I think it was more of a, uh, I think it was more of a financial decision from them, you know, going forward, I'm sure, you know, this season, you know, people like Puma have started coming on board as a team. Um, you know, they because they're part of the Formula One package that comes with all the all the monetary spoils. You know, there may be scope in the future to get machines that are more in line with their you know male counterparts. Um, and I don't see why that why drivers would necessarily be, uh, you know why they wouldn't want that. I think it's just a business decision. It's more just from the from a viewer's point of view. I, I do enjoy No, I, I agree. And funnily enough, having watched it this year, um, I, I, you know, it might just be my perception, but the racing looks, it just looks slow. Yeah. I'm sure it's not when you're in it. But or when you're on track as well. Yeah, you know, I haven't, you know, because of, because of COVID and, uh, other things I haven't had a chance to go you know, see it in person. Um, you, know, you know, British F3 cars never looked slow when I was there trackside. Um, so, you know, it's probably just a TV perception. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to try and sell your series. And, you know, if people are coming on and going, oh, this looks a bit slow, then, you know, that is something to, to look at. But not to make my answer too long again, I think purely just a monetary decision you know, that, that Tata's cars are proven and easy in terms of that they're there. Been around for a while, Tata's, haven't they? So it's, yeah. Yeah. And I don't plug know, and play. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug and play, not to not to oversimplify it. And, and I don't know, you know, if you start wanting cars that are, you know, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull, whether you, you know, you've got to start where you stand on the politics of that. Um, you know, it's bad enough in Formula One with, you know, B teams and you know uh, sort of um, engineering partnerships and things like that. And in terms of the drivers that they choose, you know, Alfa Romeo, you know, Ferrari have a stake in Alfa Romeo, or they did, so they've got to keep you know Italian drivers and blah blah blah. You know, in the W series, you know, the people who run it aren't necessarily interested in that kind of politics. You know, their aim is to promote motorsport to to a new audience and a predominantly female audience although not exclusively and it's about racing and promoting racing and yeah it is very refreshing to watch a series then there have been accidents but the lack of politics is just nice to have just to watch a race not have to worry about people going to stewards and all sorts of things it's nice just yeah. to have basic simple racing which is yeah. essentially what we all want in, in any series yeah. You know, I, you know, I know, you know, part of the appeal of Formula One is, is the show business and the, 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 you know, the theatrical side of it. And we all love a little bit of uh, handbags and what have you. But yeah, you know, if, if your aim is to promote racing to people who perhaps aren't racing fans and have just seen it on telly, 
then you know people you know tactics and you know drivers coming in because you know they're they're the same nationality as the team owner and things like that you know that's not the way to go in the early stage Absolutely. how is how is the series perceived in in other markets not in other parts of the world do you know what I, I you know I don't know as far as sort of I'm concerned it, it's it's you know from a UK market it's it's perceived very well you know certainly last year's e series took it because they they broadcast it on online and on YouTube and, and all those kind of cool cool things um, it, it gained a much wider audience um, I know from from press conferences and uh, things like that, there are lots of, you know, kind of big media people involved. You know, there's always some, you know, people from the Times or, you know, Reuters or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's, there's not often any international people in there. That I think I think there's a lady from Brazil who's in on those press conferences, but then there's a Brazilian driver. So, you know, I assume there's a connection there. Um, I, I don't know what it is on an international market. I can only speak for it from the UK, and it you know it is it is relatively popular. Um, I think because it's because it's fresh and because it's trying to do something different. Um, from a Reuters perspective, you know they don't cover anything really outside of Formula One on a regular basis. You know they kind of dip into other series if and when something interesting happens. So. You know, we covered it in 2019 because there was a sort of a public interest in it and it was a much broader brushstroke rather than a traditional lap-by-lap race report. Whereas this this year, you know, it wasn't done at all last year really because it was an E-series and there was certainly not a lot of interest with the big media people in terms of that, certainly from a Reuters perspective. This year, you know, you've kind of dipped in when you know, something interesting happens, you know, when Jamie Chadwick or Alice Powell wins it, they're my tips, uh, you know, they'll do, most will do something then. Um, again, that's another long answer, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, don't apologize, no need for that. Um, I would like to change, uh, not topics, I mean, it's, it's still motorsport, if Alex is okay with that, because I know you have other projects um, aside from covering Levy series. Oh, actually, uh, before we get on to that, in terms of W Series, I had one question which I was just going to pick you up on. You said um, Alice Powell and James Chadwick were your tips. Can I, can I get you to focus on one? <laughs> just to be a pest. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, my head, my head says Jamie Chadwick. My heart says Alice Powell because I think that's a really cool story. Uh, so I guess you're, that's not going to suffice, is it? Um, I'm looking for you to go come down on one side none of this fencing (laughs) I am going to say Jamie Chadwick just yeah I'm leaning that way as well it's it's really close and it's good to watch it is yeah it's it's quite easily be either but I'm feeling it might be Chadwick having done it already yeah don't you know don't, don't hold me to that if you ask me tomorrow, well, now that you've I, said that, you know, if you ask me to, even if you ask me in about five minutes' time, I've, I've probably changed my mind. But yeah, sorry to have been a pest, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you, Ian, about um, the Pitstop magazine because I've checked yes. your website and it seems like a really 
interesting project just aesthetically was. What's it all about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well basically, there was well, a chap called Rob Hansford, uh, and he covered oh, cool. Formula One for Overtake, yeah, for a little bit. Um, and that's kind of how he first, I first heard of him. And um, we ended up bumping into each other at Brands Hatch for the W Series uh, finale uh, back in 2019. Uh, and he was sort of the first person from Overtake uh, and still the first person from Overtake I have physically seen in front of me. Um, and, yeah, I think he was covering it for Formula Scout. Uh, yes, um, I think he would have been. I know I know, Rob um, at that point. Um, yeah. So he was part of the, the Autosport Academy. He yeah. Was part of that, and that's how I know him. And yeah, it, yeah. And, yeah, I covered the, um, oh, what is it, the... Uh, the Brands Hatch Ford Fest, Formula Ford Festival within a few months after that, and it's yeah, oh, yeah, that's it. yeah, 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 Re- really nice guy. And you know, we we sort of you know said hello and um, uh, you know had a coffee, and then kind of randomly out of the blue, he sent me uh, a WhatsApp and said, you know, would I like to contribute to Pit Stop Magazine, which is this magazine he was sort of trying to get up off the ground. Uh, that it would be paid work, which is sort of the first time I've kind of properly been been paid. Although I work for Reuters and I get a salary, you know, I'm not directly paid. I do all sorts of things for Reuters, so I don't sort of directly get paid for any of my motorsport stuff. You know, this was, you know, specifically being paid for that. And, you know, he said, would I like to be involved? I said, absolutely. And he said, yeah, you know, have you got any ideas? Would you like to pitch anything? And I kind of been thinking about talking to Charlie Martin, uh, the, the trans transgender driver, and so that's that's what I did. And, you know, I sat down with her on Zoom, and we we kind of talked about her, you know, her life and her racing and and kind of her her journey. Uh, and then the, the next issue came along and. Rob asked me if I wanted to be involved in that again as well. And I said, yep, yeah, lovely. And I, I wanted to do something about sponsorship uh, for drivers at kind of a, a more entry-level formula. So um, I spoke to an Australian British uh, 3 driver called Bart Paulston, who I'd interviewed for Overtake um, before. And, you know, we kind of looked at sponsorship in, in quite a detailed way and you know sort of the, the struggles as you know essentially a 19 year old kid having to fund his racing and kind of think as a businessman as much as a driver and particularly in the age of covid how that's been a, how that has played a part in sponsorship uh and then in the issue coming up shortly um I haven't done a feature in that one, but I've just done a little short, which hopefully will be used. I don't know when it's up to Rob um, on sustainability in Formula One. Um, so yeah, it, it, it essentially just came from him him sending me a WhatsApp, and you know the magazine in itself is kind of this you know, sort of coffee table, you know, very glossy, high production value. Um, it's not cheap, but you, you know, you can see where the money's been spent. You know, if you go into a news agent and get, you know, a GP magazine, whatever it is, F1 Racing it used to be called, you know, that's a 
a fiver or six quid, I think, might be a little bit more. You know, you can only order pit stop online at the moment. And an individual issue is 12 quid, I think. And a subscription of four issues might be 40 quid or something like that. But you can see where the money's been spent, you know, big high-res pictures, lots of in-depth articles. You know, the last one I wrote with Bart was 4,000 words. So, yeah, so, you know, know, really big in-depth articles, uh, trying to pick, you know, no race reviews and things like that, trying to just pick Mm -hmm. stories that are off the beaten track. There's a whole bunch of, you know, people who are much more knowledgeable than I am you know, looking at kind of hill climbing and old school cars and, you know, all sorts of, you know, mine, you know, minute racing formulas and things like that. Uh, and also, you know, they're trying to keep advertising to a minimum. There is some advertising in it because you can't do it for free, but it's very specific uh, advertising, you know, kind of friends of friends sort of thing. Um, I know Motormouth podcast, which you might have heard of, um, yeah, they're you know they 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 linked up with pit stops a little bit across cross advertising there. Um, so yeah, I mean I think it's a really really lovely magazine. I mean I work in publishing as my boring day to day job, um, and I think it's a really really high quality magazine. Um, certainly one of the best out there, without sounding too biased. Yeah, there's a bias here. Hang on. <laughs> no, I mean, um, it's your project. You're you're allowed to be biased, aren't you? <laughs> of course. So, so you know, yeah. As I say, at the moment it's only on online pitstopmagazine.com. I should have had that already. That would have been more, far more professional. Um, but you know, if you just type pitstop magazine into Google, you'll, you'll soon come across it. Um, and you know, I think it's well, you know, for, for the racing fan, there's, there's there's all sorts, and I, it's it's a bit left of centre, um, and I think it's got a really you know good niche in the market. Well, it sounds to me like you've you've got a, a wonderful love for motorsport. Uh, so where does that come from? Have you always had that love for it, or did you have a sudden light bulb moment at the age of fifteen or something, or is it where, <laughs> yeah, where I mean, did this I, love come from? I've always liked motorsport ever since, like all of us, ever since we were a kid. You know, my, my sort of earliest memory would kind of be 92 and sort of Nigel Mansell. You know, um, I'm a Williams fan for my sins. Um, and yeah, like, and as, as I've got older and, you know, having, that interest has just grown and grown and grown. And, you know, as I've sort of you know, got my own money, I've been able to kind of go and see things and stuff like that. And, really it's just it's just built on that and in terms of kind of journalism and things like that 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 really was a very recent sort of light bulb moment um you know growing up i played in bands and things like that and i really love music and i love the creative process it comes from writing songs and, and playing music and kind of having that as a thing that defines who i am and then in 2016 uh, when my wife and i had our first child uh, I really struggled getting my head around becoming a dad, and I actually suffered from, from what I know now to be a little bit of postnatal depression. I kind of lost, felt I lost my identity a little bit. You know, I went from you know playing in bands and doing all that sort of stuff to now being a dad, and it was a very hard adjust. And so, 
my wife uh, in Reuters we have an intranet site which has lots of pages from different departments a bit like a kind of internal Facebook and one of those pages is a, a that I still edit today it's called fans of Formula One and it was just a place where people across the business could discuss Formula One and motorsport and write race reports and things like that and the guy that ran it was leaving the company and my wife said well why don't you why don't you put your hand up and do it and it kind of gives you a little bit of a purpose and I said okay yeah I said yeah I like that Um, I was always a little bit interested a little bit scared of kind of doing that sort of thing because you know I'm not particularly great with spelling and grammar and stuff like that. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll give that a go. And you know, it just exploded from there. And I just wanted to take it further and further and further and you know write you know as many people as I could with a wider scope. And then you know, I wanted to get accreditation. And you know, yes, I, I'm lucky that I work for Reuters and I've had access to our motorsport correspondent who's been very helpful. In that respect, but yeah, that, that was the light bulb moment in terms of uh, sort of my, my journalism career. I don't have any formal journalistic training or qualifications, it's purely just I felt I had to do something because I felt myself going into a bit of a rut. Um, I wasn't playing in bands or anything like that because I didn't, didn't have the time to do it anymore. And so, you know, my wife said, Hey, why don't you give that a little bit of a go? And bosh, here we are. Oh, that's quite been an interesting five years for you then. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been amazing. You know, uh, as I say, it doesn't escape me that I'm I'm lucky that I have access to to people that perhaps other people don't do in terms of who I who I work for. But uh, I don't work for the news part Reuters, so you know, it, it's not a given. Uh, you know, it has been a fair amount of networking and kind of bothering people, you know, sort of saying, well, come on, we'll go for a coffee and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you know, it's, it's been been really, really great, you know, and I've, I've got to kind of do things and interview people that, you know, I never ever thought I would in such a short space of time. Um, but, you know, I think that just comes from being really keen and passionate about about it. If, if you allow me to go back uh, to racing and, and leave uh, journalism a bit on the side, mm-hmm. I got to ask this because you said you started watching in 92, 93, sort of that era. Mm-hmm. I promise it's not a running joke like I do with Alex or Chris. Is there something you... No, I guess there's something you miss. But what's the thing you miss the most from all, all these years of changing and evolution in the sport, particularly in Formula 1? That's a great question. What do I miss? Oh, yeah, that is an amazing question. I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess I miss, you know, back in those days, you know, the, the, the cars were a bit more raw. You know, there wasn't, uh, you know, there obviously wasn't as much technology and there wasn't as much in terms of, you know, management of systems and tires and tactics you know it was it was people just wanting to go fast and you know as much as I, i'm a fan of the politics and the lifestyle of, of formula one you know i'm very comfortable swallowing around the paddock with a glass of champagne but ultimately i like to see people going fast and being close and you know being on the limit and i think 
you know, if you compare that to nowadays where there's so much more going on than simply just being fast, I can't, I kind of miss that, you know, the, the, you know, aside from, you know, the hybrid thing and the sound and, and all the rest of it and how it comes across on TV. Yeah. I think I just miss it, it being a slightly simpler age if that makes sense. And I think there were, you know, there were a few more characters, you know, it wasn't quite the, you know, the seventies and the eighties, you know, you, you, you know, you, James Hunt's and, you know, your Nicky Lauders and that, that kind of, you know, have a cigarette and then jump in the car sort of thing, you know, but I, I miss, you know, it felt like there were a few more characters back in the day, whereas, you know, every, every, everything's so much, so much more money and, emphasis on on you know fitness and being at the peak and that's i guess for for every sport you know not just exclusively motorsport but yeah another long answer again but yeah that's that's what i think i miss in terms of your characters the characters for i've found that formula over the last 10 years has had a bit of a dip in terms of characters you had yeah the old fernando alonso mm. and Lewis Hamilton, of course but it's not like it's constantly through the grid but now with the new generation you've got lando norris Daniel Ricciardo, George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, the amount of unique individuals and are clearly unique about it as well. They're not hiding themselves. They are just being themselves. It's good yes. to see and it's nice to have that back. Yes, I, I think that, I think it's a really, yeah, a really good point and I, I completely echo that. Um, and I, you know, I think my view is that has, you know, a lot to do with kind of the, the age. You know, these are kids who have grown up with social media being far more prominent than, than it was for your Fernando Alonso's or your Kimi Raikkonen's, although he's a particularly bad example <laughs> of, of, you know, um, <laughs> you know being, being uh, approachable. But yeah, you know, I think they've grown up with, with the, the tools to be more instantly accessible and, you know, to be able to show, you know, to have your guard down a little bit more and yeah, I think that's definitely reflected in that. And I think that's a really, really good thing because one of my, my biggest, biggest criticisms of Formula One is that I find it, I find it very stuffy and it's very clicky and it, it, it's very inward looking. And, you know, I, I think it shoots itself in the foot by not opening itself up or to you know, to make it far more accessible, you know, not everybody has oodles of money to fly over to Monaco or, or wherever it may be, or, you know, Silverstone's not cheap either. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Silverstone, just staying in this country, it's like over 200 quid for a weekend ticket and that's mental. Giving you a pay you know, 50 quid for a big football match and other sports, it, but yeah. Exactly. My, my wife says, you know, she, she, she always thinks it's such a strange sort of juxtaposition because nowhere in a sport would you be able to mingle so freely with your heroes, but only at a price. Yeah. And, you know, in football, you know, you'd never, ever be able to, you know, wander around the changing room or, you know, quickly sidle up to, you know, Messi and have a photo or something like that. But, you know, you've, I say you've only paid, you know, 40 quid for a ticket or, or whatever it may be. But, you know, for the one, you, you can have so much unprecedented access if you're willing to sort of sell uh, for it. At least you for know. one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I'm going to that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, 
I, I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but um, yeah, you know, I think, um, I think, yeah, I can't remember what I was talking about. But I'm sure I was making a good point. Nothing wrong with tangents on this podcast. We've done <laughs> a good few times. <laughs> Coming of uh, your last answer, because if you remember, you were talking about F1 opening up, opening up to that's right. Yes, yes, yeah. So, what's your your uh, your opinion on things like Drive to Survive or all these things you're doing in YouTube and, and on social media? I, you know, I think it's great. I think anything that that that, that allows you as as a fan and as a, you know a punter that brings that content to you is, is only a good thing. You know, uh, Drive to Survive. It's, you know, I'm sure we'd all agree it's it's a really interesting and fascinating insight into things you know it's you know i've certainly learned you know how things play out and it's nice to see you know things that you can remember happening in a season from a from a different perspective and from kind of inside the formula one bubble um you know lando norris on you know twitch or whatever you know being able to go on i race uh, racing you know sim and you know He's on there, Charles, you know, Charles Leclerc's on there, or whatever. I think, you know, anything that, that brings, you know, people's heroes to them uh, and the, the, the thing that they're passionate about and makes it more accessible is only a good thing. And it's such a shame that Formula One has taken so long to kind of, to kind of get there. You know, I know it's an expensive sport and you have to generate that revenue from somewhere. Um And ticket prices and offering people, you know, incredible VIP experiences is, is certainly one of the one of the ways to do it. But yeah, you know, sport is only as good as the people who watch it. And if you're so elite, people will soon tail off because there are lots of other great motorsport formulas and formats that are not elite and not as insular. And so I think, you know, in order to survive, it, it's going down the right the right track. That's a very good point there with about other racing series. IndyCar is becoming mm. a bigger thing in Britain at the moment, I think, because it's being shown on Sky Sports quite so regularly and well, quite well done. In the, I remember in the mid-90s, there was, Bernie was worried about um, what was CART becoming bigger than F1 when, say, when Nigel Mansell went over there and mm. was popping and started winning. Will F1 suffer that fate again? Should Hamilton or Alonso decide they're going to go over to IndyCar permanently, do a full season rather than just do the 500. And is Formula One in a position where it can handle that or might it suffer more than it thinks it would? You know, I, I don't know, again, is the honest answer. Uh, I, do, I don't think it would ever, you know, I think it's too, I think it's good, you know, it's too popular in its own right. And I think there's, you know, there's much more to it than just, you know, watching Lewis Hamilton or something like that. You know, there, there have been lots of drivers that have gone over to different things. And I think if anything, it, it just, it pulls those Formula One, one fans into watch that as well as Formula One. So I don't think it will ever, I don't think it's ever in danger kind of falling off the radar for that reason. I, you know, I do think of, its sustainability, its cost, you know, the cost of it and its accessibility for fans. I think if it, you know, it, it won't be that people are going, you know, drivers are going to other sports that will kill it. It will be the fact that it's it's deemed unaccessible, you know, inaccessible for the common fan. 
that I think would certainly make it, you know, not at the pinnacle of motorsport. It'll never peter off, but you know that that's where I think it has to be careful. And I think it's you know, luckily, you know, Bernie had such an aversion to those sorts of things because he he didn't you know it was his baby it was his his cash cow and he wanted to you know whether he knew in the back of his mind he was going to sell it so he wanted to make its market value as big as he could it, only he would know but um you know he was very against kind of letting it go out into the ether um, but i think it i think it has to um because yeah then then it will then it will start to become a little bit irrelevant and I don't think it's in danger of other formats because I, I think everything's kind of got its position, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I have I've done it again. I've given you a heavy question. I do apologize. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Do you know what? I, yeah. It's, it's really nice to kind of be, be looking at these issues and, and talking about these things. Um, you know, it's the first time I've ever done this. So it's really cool. Unfortunately, I've got a, I've got a politics background, so I go for <laughs> I go for the confusing stuff that's behind it, which I find fascinating. That turns so many people off. No, uh, no, that's fine. You know, as a as a correspondent in the Commons, I feel that I should be able to, to handle the big hitting questions. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, and this is probably a random question, but since we already uh, dove into IndyCar. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on oval racing as a whole? I know IndyCar doesn't do much of it nowadays, but it used to be an <laughs> oval only racing series. Uh, oh yeah, this is this is how tangents work here. We just do everything <laughs> we want to do, and it's great fun. <laughs> my yeah, I, my confession is I don't know too much about IndyCar racing. I have to be honest, um, and that is that is because you know. It's on Sky Sports now, so it's kind of beamed into my brain a little bit more. So I'm learning more about it recently than I ever have done. Um, but my view of it was and still is that it's oval racing, and a bit like NASCAR. I don't see where the I don't see where the entertainment comes in going round and round and round and round in an oval. I'm aware that motorsport is going round and round and round, but there are. It's going round and round and round in different directions. So that, yeah, that's that's my honest answer. Um, but what I, you know, I'm starting to watch a little bit more of it and starting to kind of get get on the bandwagon a little bit more with it. I don't know too much about it. I have to confess. My feelings have been hurt a little bit. The, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, the NASCAR uh, correspondence. Oh, I, 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 I know, and you know, what a way to you know make friends and influence people. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I, I, you know, people are are more than welcome to say, you know, W Series is to, to make it even. <laughs> I've already said that, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not to say, you know, I, I, you know, on a serious note, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, for people to think that I'm, I'm poo-pooing it because it's a circle. You know, I just, for me as an outsider, much, I suppose, in, in the way that outsiders come into motorsport, generally speaking, I don't, I don't see, you know, from someone who watches Formula One, you know, the, the, 
you know, part of the interest is people taking corners and the, 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 the strategy around corners and everything that kind of fans out from that. I don't see how, how an oval kind of translates in that way, but um, I'm willing to be educated. I will say, uh, I have, have, I, have I won you back? <laughs> I will say, I used to have a similar opinion, but when I was growing up as a teenager, because I was always watching F1 or touring cars, it's kind of, yeah, they're just watching cars go around a circle. However, as I've got older, it's, and also playing it on PlayStation, playing on a game, because it's, it's very entertaining that way. But it's, <laughs> It's something different, and particularly on super speedways, it's it's very it's engrossing. So I, I wouldn't have thought it when I was growing up, but nowadays, exactly. I look forward to the ovals in the calendar. There's not enough of them, unfortunately, but it's it's something that appeals to me more now than I was when I was younger. And yeah. Now that it's available to watch, I look forward to it. Well, that, you know, that's it, and you know, I, I I find myself, you know, going, you know, on the sports websites, see what's happened, and you know. It, like some of, not to be too morbid, you know, some of the incidents and crashes and things like that that I've seen that, you know, all, but all motorsport fans, a little bit in the back of our mind goes, oh, you know, crashes are exciting as long as no one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been, you know, it's been spectacular and you go, you know, you, wow, you know, um, you know, the speeds and, and, you know, things like that, you know, are incredible. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't, I, I still, I, yeah, I still have to, I'm trying to talk myself out of the hole that I've dug. You know, I still have to kind of get the whole over thing. A couple more on the calendar next year, I think. I think they've added a couple more. So if you ever get the chance next year, it's well worth the watch. Yeah, you know, do you know what? If, if, if someone said to me, hey, I've got two NASCAR tickets or I've got two IndyCar tickets, I, before you'd even finish that sentence, I'd have bit your, bit your arm up for it. So, yeah, you know, I'm not saying I hate it. well i had this is not a question it's it's more of a comment before we start uh with the closing questions which i'll explain in a bit it's been really fun seeing it the other way around it's been fun uh, this year seeing nascar try to race more uh tracks or circuits nascar calls them road courses but it's really fun because in some ways they they still don't know how to do it It, it's laughable because it is, but, but it's, <laughs> it's also really true. You, you, you're sort of seeing how they learn on the go, mm. how to turn to the uh, to anything that's not turning to the left. Mm. Is this why so Juan Montoya only won races on road courses in NASCAR? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, anyone knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes. So if I could turn it back, back to you, if you had to describe NASCAR in five words, how would you describe NASCAR if you were trying to sell it to me? That's it was a <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, you can't use form, oval. First and foremost, exciting. Can't use oval. <laughs> <laughs> My first word is going to be circles. Too <laughs> 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 Well, well done. done. Seriously, first and foremost, exciting. It's it's incredibly exciting. Second, I guess I would say. Um, Unbelievably, well, that's two words. Technical. You can hyphen. I had a hyphen. I'll allow you one hyphen. Surprisingly, add a hyphen and then um, put technical. Okay, with that. I'm good with that. Aerodynamic. The the amount of, of uh, things that change just simply on the line of the oval you take, it's incredible. Your race can change based on a lane or two. It's it's crazy. 
I would like to use the word inclusive and then add another hyphen and add ish. Because <laughs> it's, it's just like road courses. It's learning to be inclusive. They're getting mm -hmm. there. And it's fun seeing how they start, you know, opening themselves to everyone else instead just uh, instead of having just American blacks and, and cheap beer. Mm. Yeah, something I would say, you know, on, on that, you know, NASCAR and IndyCar being obviously an, Amer an American thing, you know, not so much now with, with Sky and it broadcasting it at different times, but, you know, certainly in the early days, you know, that was something that was on, a, on an obscure channel at an obscure time of, of day, you know, and, you know, certainly when I was growing up, you know, if I was out at night, I was not indoors. You know, if I was up at night, I was not indoors. I was out and about, you know, doing what, you know, 20 year olds do. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, certainly from my point of view, why it hasn't been as much on my radar because simply because it hasn't, you know, I, I haven't been able to come across it unless I've randomly stumbled upon it playing, in, you know, uh, a, a, an American bar or something like that uptown. I cut across you, so <laughs> there's so many high, there's so many hyphens. I've lost, I've lost a bit of <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm missing one, and you're absolutely right. That's why I, I, you know, for me, it's Australian Supercars. Mm. They're not, they're just not in my time zone. There, there's no way for me to watch them. I, I have to stay awake at like 4 a.m. to watch Supercars. They're not in ours either. It's just no. yeah, there are no one's time zone but the Australians and the New Zealanders. <laughs> no, and. That, I lived in Sydney for a couple of years, about ten years ago, and yeah. So you know, when you're when you're in their time zone, it's on in every bar. It's on the on your on you know, cable television. You know, big Australian brands of cars. You know, your Holdens and blah blah blah. Push 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 push. But yeah, you know, it's it's not it's it's so far removed when when we're here. You know, not not in the Australian time zone. So bringing that back to NASCAR and IndyCar, for me, that's why I'm not quite as up to speed on it as, as other stuff. I love long answers. They've been great. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, so, so, waffle, waffle, waffle. Yeah, so sorry. But uh, Sum is kicking us out again. We have five minutes left. I think it's time for closing questions. Yes, let me explain that. I was going to say 10 questions, but since we're getting kicked out by the system, I'm going to short it to four questions, four quick okay. questions, two from me and two from uh, Alex. Okay. Equally short answers, if you can. Okay. I'll try my best. <laughs> I start, then you go, Alex. Favorite driver. Favorite driver. Favorite car. Any series. Any series? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, can I have uh, old series, past years? Can I, can I say... Uh, yeah, go as far back as you want. Can I say, because it's what I, I remember, the, the Williams in which Damien Hill won his world championship. W, is it like 12? No, not 12. 18 or something, isn't it? Yeah. I, I know which one you mean. Yeah. like it. Yeah, uh, to be really quick, only because you know I was a kid, and that's that's sort of an iconic moment. If you could attend any motorsport event in the world that you haven't attended yet, what would it be? Oh, uh, 
I would, oh gosh, uh, I would love to do, uh, I would love to do Le Mans. Uh, I'd like to do the, I'd like to do the Singapore GP. I think that looks quite cool. Um, yeah, I, I have been to Monaco, so that's um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I've done I've done that one tick. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the more I'd quite like to do. I think that would be quite cool. Uh, and last one for me. Uh, your your the best race you've ever watched live or as live. So whether you've been at home or you've been at the track watching it, the best race you've watched that sticks in your mind is just yes. Oh, there's there's a few. Uh, one that first comes to mind, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was an incredible race, generally speaking, but the Spa 98, where there was that, where all the cars crashed at the beginning, that has always stuck in my my brain. Um, the, I can't remember where it was, I'm thinking either Canada or Hungary, where Jensen Button came from plum last all the way through to win. That's stuck in the 2011, mind. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, something. Yeah, that one way he um, put Lewis in a wall. Yeah, uh, the one uh, where where Lewis won his first championship, I think, where he overtook Timo Glock on the last corner. Yes, that sticks in my brain. Yeah, there, there's so many, but yeah, those are the kind of the, the ones that instantly put to mind. I made that answer as well. This is a theme with you, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Right, guys. I think that's a wrap. Not because of me. I would keep this going until midnight in the UK. (laughs) No, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, Ian. No, thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, hopefully I've I've, I've done, done what you need me to do. Oh, absolutely. And more. You absolutely delivered.